everyone. This is Joe McVean. Joe, can you introduce yourself to everyone that might be watching now and later? So who are you? And yeah, you I'd be happy to. Who am I? What an esoteric question. But to keep things, <laughs> people, uh, keep things pretty spirituality PG, um, you know, I, I, I'm, just a, I'm just a dude that, that loves what he does. But uh, the title I show up in the world is a purpose and entrepreneurship coach. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it's, it goes far deeper than that. That's just kind of the label I have to show up for people. As, and hope, let me know if you can't hear me. The connection is kind of fuzzy uh, sometimes. But um, yeah, the, the journey that I'm on, I guess, started because I just I played the game the way I was supposed to play it. I did what other people told me to do over and over and over again. And uh, that took me through an engineering degree. That took me through playing the whole sports thing. And I love sports and I love where I came from. But I realized one day that my whole life hadn't really been mine, you know? So now I'm kind of mm. on this crusade of showing, especially men, but men and women in general, that like you, you could self-direct your, your life and lead it towards what you really want. And what I find that all of us really, really want is mm. love, you know? But how do you get yeah. to love? It's, it's like authenticity, you know, just, just showing up and being real and, and seeing whatever shows up and, and not being attached to how it happens. And like, that's, it's funny how everywhere in life, that's how it works best. But then when we try mm. to do things, that's not what we bring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I really want to start with sharing your backstory and why you do what you do. Because yeah, that's totally yeah, what yeah. won Very my important. heart. Very important. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I think it goes back to um, I was 14, you know, and just just becoming a man and came home off the school bus. And my mom was an alcoholic at the time. She was dealing with her stuff. But she had fallen down the stairs and um, she suffered a big old brain injury. And so I basically just followed a trail of blood up the stairs and found her laying in, bled, laying in bed with blood spewing out of her head. And uh, sitting there in this weird middle zone, like 14. Am I a boy? Am I a man? My, my parents were split up, so I'm the man of the house, but I'm like still a little kid. Mm. And uh, so I was in this weird spot. I was holding the home phone, if you remember those. And uh, yeah, I was hovering over the nine to call 911. And yeah. she uh, told me over and over again, because she's got this like selfish, uh, I'm sorry, um, you know, she's like self-directed. Um, she told me over and over again, she's like, no, Joey, don't call. No, Joey, don't call. So I didn't call. And then two weeks later, she did finally get medical treatment. And she had a brain injury that put her in the hospital with the mental capacity of a seven-year-old, which she <clears throat> still has today. And so for years, gosh, I was nowhere near emotionally intelligent enough to recognize it back then. But for years, I blamed myself for not being the man of the house and having it all put together. And so then how that showed up in my world is I, um, I just did everything to impress other people, just to prove that in my perfect little suburban world that I grew up in, in like Cleveland, Ohio, to prove to everybody that I wasn't a mess up, you know, that I didn't, that I, that I wasn't total screw up. And so that I had everything together. And so what that looked like was studying electrical engineering because it was the good job that had the good career path, you know, like, oh, you have no trouble getting a job, kid, you know, and then uh, captain of the football team and getting straight A's and just uh, over and over and over again. Just it never was from like my heart and then into the world. It was like, what does the world need? Let me fill that so that nobody can actually see me. Mm. And like accolades I got on the outside the more I needed more accolades to continue to satisfy like this place in me that was just like a little boy that wanted a hug from his mom. And I had no idea how to heal that. I had no idea how to, how to get that. So I kept just, I don't know, maybe it's relationships. So I filled it with relationships that weren't good for me. And I filled it with 
you know, starting companies that seemed glamorous and big deal-ish, like, uh, like impressing these venture capitalists and stuff when I graduated from college. And, and all of it was just such nonsense, you know? It wasn't, wasn't really me. And um, now it breaks my heart seeing so many people still on that unself-directed path, still just doing things for other people. The masculine way, it's kind of like I've kind of seen how the, the ungrounded masculine is to impress other people and make it look like mm -hmm. they got it all together. And then the ungrounded feminine is to only help other people. It's to like not, not self-love, but just to like, you know, overextend and not uh, totally pay attention to who it is that they're actually bringing to the world. So in both ways, it's an ignorance of who you are. Yeah. And uh, so self-love is kind of a different journey from both directions. But um, the one that I took was kind of coming back and, and realizing, shit, you know, who, I, who am I really? You know, like when I stop just doing things to make a bunch of money, when I stop chasing after the career goal, when I stop, you know, wanting to be a uh, a millionaire through real estate so that I could come back and inspire people. Cause what I always wanted ever since I was on the football team was to be an inspirational speaker. Cause I felt like mm -hmm. I had this gift and this way of just resonating people's souls. And, and I just felt so alive when I was on stage or in front of the team or whatever, but yeah. I never really felt like I was good enough for the thing that my heart really wanted to do. I felt like I had to impress people all along the way in order to get to the thing. And then finally I just like kind of extrapolated out. I was like, well, shit, I'm never going to get there, you know, because I just always have to chase this dangling carrot, you know, and I'll never yeah. feel good enough until I authorize myself. Mm -hmm. But uh, it took a lot of forgiveness of myself and my mom and just basically healing that inner journey before I was ever even remotely available to show up in the world the way I really am. You know? yeah. So it's a much deeper process than most successful people typically turn around and tell, I think. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So the accident with your mom happened when you were 14, you said? Yeah, yeah. So ever since you were 14, you were chasing this, what you're calling a dangling carrot, trying to impress people, right? Exactly. Ultimately, you wanted to inspire people, but this, this need to impress others was always there for you. Mm -hmm. So what was the precipice for you in your life to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going the wrong way? Mm, honestly, it, all, it didn't happen in a, one moment alone. Um, it kind of showed up in the world as one moment, but it was like an eight-year process. So my freshman yeah. year in college, I, I had to take a class. It was honors reading conference. I was an engineer, and I was all about what's practical, and I was all about making money. I literally had an Excel spreadsheet that planned out my whole life, like like every dollar I'd make, every uh, uh, promotion I'd get, and every dollar I'd invest, and when I'd retire. It's like I was so ridiculously left brain only. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, so then that version of Joe McVean goes to uh, honors reading conference. And in this honors reading conference, I had to read the Tao Te Ching. And of course, mm -hmm. I was cliff noting everything that I could. But then the Tao Te Ching was only 81 verses. And they're short. And if anybody doesn't know, it's like the, the fundamental book of Taoism. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like short parables of ancient Chinese wisdom that like transforms anybody's perspective as soon as they read them and uh and so i started reading this stuff and i'm like oh man it's not all airy fairy nonsense oh crap i gotta pay more attention <laughs> <laughs> you know? it opened up like an inner dimension of possibilities basically it was the first flashlight shined into my inner world mm -hmm. because my whole life had been just what i see is what i believe you know like the outside world is the only thing and yeah. then so I, I started to be interested in like, wow, what if life isn't just what we visualize with our eyes? And so then I got fascinated with electromagnetism and like physics and quantum physics. And then I kind of also went down the spirituality journey mm -hmm. and started to explore things like, you know, like what is intuition and what is all this stuff? And, 
And that's a, an entire different path that it took me down. But then it just, it really all just turned into curiosity, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. People misunderstand what spirituality is, but I think it's really just, it's the science of the unseeable. And it requires the same curiosity, you know, or it requires the same scientific method even. You know, you start with a curiosity, you make a hypothesis, and then you, mm -hmm. you move through this, this series of exploring what's real, except in the science world, we look at outside of us for external facing data, but in the spirituality world, it's just, you look inside of you and you see what feels right. So it's just feeling wow. versus external data, yeah. you know? And, and I think that's the way that you start to explore more of what really makes life tick all around you mm -hmm. and what ultimately gets us to joy, which is what we all want. You know, we all want, like I said before, we all want joy and love, but we get so lost yeah. in how to get there. And we, mm -hmm. we try to take shortcuts, but the shortcuts are so long-term. And I think I got on a tangent there, but... Uh, no, no, no. That's wonderful. So spirituality yeah. for you, the way that you've experienced it is the science of the unseeable, right? Absolutely. What's yeah, there, that's the best uh, way I can explain. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So can you differentiate for me? Because I know you've probably been through this where you're just... There are lots of emotions that we go through each day. There's a difference between, though, emotions and feelings because people who chase happiness, chase emotions right that that fleeting feeling of feeling good so how is right. that different from a longer term thing of you know joy and fulfillment and just feeling and being yeah that's a great question and a lot of people don't understand that because there's a lot yeah. of stuff out there a lot of people just call me like mr positive and i'm like <laughs> positivity is just the beginning of it like i'm glad yeah. that you recognize that it's happening that it's something different that's fine mm -hmm. but the way I see it is that so many people are trying so hard to be positive. It's almost like it's almost the same thing. Like I was trying to be successful in other people's eyes. So they try to wear this mask of positivity. It's because they're actually scared of what's real inside of them. And so mm -hmm. they're running from the negative, right? They're running from the darkness towards the daylight. Yeah. And it's actually a behavior rooted in fear. And mm -hmm. everything that I'm about is like, how do we make more of our behaviors not rooted in fear? Because fundamentally, that's like that comes from the mind comes from our external facing sense perceptions that are all survival tools. It's like, there's yes. no love in any of that. It just keeps you here, yeah. you know? Um, but uh, people, when they start looking into this world of like, how do I live a better life? They're like, Oh, I gotta be happy. I gotta be positive. And you're totally right that there's, there's so much more to it. And that I'd say that the core difference is what is the motive behind what you're trying to, what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to do positivity, what's the motive behind it? Well, if it's fear of, darkness or of what is really true inside of you then mm -hmm. it's still only going to create more fear because like the operating system is what you generate in the world it doesn't matter what you're running to if you're running f with fear in you yeah then you, you just produce more unconsciousness no matter yeah. where you go you know wow so you said we need to really focus on the fact that a lot of us um our behaviors are rooted in fear right absolutely yeah what should they be rooted in instead well, yeah, love. It, it sounds so, so tacky. <laughs> but, um, and, and a lot of times, here's the thing. When I say love, it doesn't almost feel like the right word. Because um, in my experience, love is just like the absence of, of everything else. You know, it's like, the, um, like the, the formless void where possibility can happen. It's silence. It's inner stillness. It's peace. It's tranquility. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's maybe peace is a better word. You know, yeah. and you, when you move in the world from this inner knowing of peace that like, it's all good, you know, no matter how wow. it shows up, you know, like mm -hmm. when I when I film a video, like if nobody watches this, I enjoy doing it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs>
And that's like <laughs> the best way to go through life because then you're always amused. Yeah. And now you're moving from a place yeah. where your operating system is joy, bliss, love, fulfillment, whatever the word is for you. And then yeah. you automatically attract that because I don't mm -hmm. I, something about the quantum mechanical nature of it. And we can spend an hour talking about why that is, but it doesn't really matter why it is. You can use that mechanism of the universe. Like maybe it's with every, every action is an equal and opposite reaction. So when you, we have the action of love, then we can get more mm -hmm. love in the world. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's so critically important to understand is that there's more than just fear. There's more than just making it. There's more than just surviving. There's more than just getting the mm -hmm. job for people to, um, to say that you've made it. And now my world is kind of like really embedded with entrepreneurs. So how do we market our, our stuff that we love that we know is going to change the world in yeah. a way where we reach people just authentically, like our marketing isn't really, marketing is so messed up these days where it's all just like, how do we treat people like numbers and data points and get and get and get and get. And mm -hmm. it's easy to fall away from that centeredness of just like, I want to make this video. I want to write this post just because I love to write it, you know, yeah. just because I, I'm just expressing my joy for being me. And, yeah. uh, you know, and then when, when you do that in business, it's the ridiculous thing is that it actually works better, but you can't do it because it works better. It's, it's like a catch 22. But mm -hmm. when you get so centered in your own journey and you enjoy your, your ability to create magic, it, uh, I, love I found that. that yeah, it, it, I found that not only is it like just a cool catch line and a fun way to live, but like my clients actually like double their revenue in some cases. Like it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's a byproduct. Absolutely. And you yeah, are one yeah. of the most authentic and genuine people that I know. And I know it took, Thank like you. you said, it took you. eight years of having to work through a lot of healing. And I'm mm -hmm. wondering through those eight years, I know you've taken a lot of masks off, especially the one of what it means to be masculine and the man of the house. Yeah. How did taking off those masks help you to be still? Or if you could kind of talk about the flip side of it, right? How did having those masks on really make it almost impossible to be still and finding that inner peace? Yeah. Yeah, man. As guys, it's this interesting situation where we're, we just want to be seen and told it's okay. You know, and I think that's why a lot of dudes do things where other dudes are, are, are also doing things where they can fit right in. You know, so we could fit into things like drinking beer, watching sports, you know, the cliche men thing. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. I mean, everybody's like, I just like sports because everybody can come together around it. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. But I'm about like, how do we align ourselves in a way that makes us feel good now, but also contributes to a better, more beautiful world? You mm -hmm. know, and if we if we, we kind of just burn away all our time watching Netflix with our friends and drink a bunch of beer and get hung over the next day and just quash the ambition of what our soul and our heart really wants to do, then we, um, you know, then the world isn't any better, you know, because mm -hmm. of it. So I'm all, all about like, how do you show up authentically so you can like, not just airy fairy way, like get actually get paid to change the world. But yeah. to answer your question, I think a lot of the guys out there are, they're stuck because of what I call like the rejection trap. And in fact, it was really interesting. I ran a survey and I asked, um, I think like a hundred people responded to it. And I asked, what are your top three fears? And mm -hmm. so then me being my engineering nerdy self, which I still have, <laughs> I like broke it all down and analyzed and like took it all down to um, percentages. And so I, I saw that the number one fear was a purposeless, meaningless life. Number mm -hmm. two fear was social rejection. Number three fear was feeling not good enough for love, for success, for anything. And then number four fear was death. So like, clearly we don't actually care about something killing us these days. We care about something killing us before our life can mean something. Yeah. <laughs> and 
But the catch wow. 22 is what I call the rejection trap is like the fight between those top two fears. Cause like a mm-hmm. hundred people are 133% more likely to fear the meaningless life than death and 120, 120% more likely to fear social rejection than death. And mm-hmm. so that creates this rejection trap where it's like, we want to live this purposeful, meaningful life, but then if we do, nobody will accept us for it. And yeah. it's like, we want to fit in. So we do things like drink beer and, and hang out with the guys and talk whatever about girls, but then like, there's no real purpose in that. So it's like, we're just always in battle between those two things. And mm-hmm. I think that's universal for men and for women, but uh, with dudes, it's like, we have even more pressure to have it figured out because yeah. of this raw expression of emotion. That, that's what I found to be the number one most liberating tool is me giving myself permission to feel whole uh, fully in, in, in my, the silence, you know, cry my yeah. eyes out every other day. Because when you do big things in the Love world, it. there's a lot of friction Love that is it. created. And it's like, it's just mm-hmm. like nature's release valve. <laughs> and I think yeah. we should look at crying like peeing and blinking. It's just a thing that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about peeing, though, is you do it in private, right? I want to be yeah. able to tell yeah. people that you can, you can cry in public. It's a beautiful, courageous thing to do. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. as natural as going to the bathroom, but it doesn't have to be done in private you know that's true yeah yeah but if you do it only in private that's good enough too (laughs) just like peeing like you could talk about peeing in public Mm -hmm. you could talk about crying in public and then you can yeah we're good so it doesn't surprise me that you're that the number one thing that you found that people uh, feared the most is that they're going to live a meaningless life Mm -hmm. and that comes way before death clearly in your survey and if, if that's really true and if that speaks to almost the majority of the population here on earth today why don't we talk about that? Like, why don't people talk about living a meaningful or making sure you don't live a meaningless life? Mm. Is that a taboo? Well, What's going on there? I, that's the reason I do what I do. Because I'm like, wait, where is everybody? This is a big deal. Why are we not? Yeah. All right, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Why is that? That's something I ask myself a lot, honestly. And I think the bottom, at the, at the end of the day, we're just so doggone busy. If we sat down and spent a whole lot of time really just like meditating and being silent and being peaceful and walking on the beach or in the mountains or whatever you've got to work with. If we just spent all sorts of time with nature, we'd realign and be like, oh, all that nonsense doesn't matter. But because we're always interacting with the world, we're always interfacing Mm -hmm. with people who are consistently reminding us of who we are. Like I am a Joe McVean with this meat sack thing I carry around, you know, and I am this, you know, I am an engineer or I am a business owner or I am a blah, blah, blah. And then we get these labels. And then the mistake is we start to think that the labels are true, you know? And Mm -hmm. then so in our minds, we're always walking around and I I know, you know, all this stuff, but in case anybody's listening, doesn't, um, you know, we walk around with all these labels running through our minds. So then we're always thinking to things and we're responding to things. And then we're in more of that fear mindset of fight, like fighting against the world because we're in these big, bigger and bigger cities all the time. Or even if you're not, you're on social media where there's all sorts of opinions and stuff happening, you know? And then, eventually you get addicted to thinking and when you're addicted to thinking your heart doesn't have a chance in hell because this thing can only whisper but this thing can shout and so like when you live all in this world there's not a prayer for truth to come out you know because passion and purpose and meaning and living a life in alignment with what you see for humanity that's big stuff 
that comes from the smallest little whispers inside of your heart, which I only ever hear when I meditate. And there's days when I don't meditate and I stop hearing mm -hmm. it and then I get ungrounded. Mm -hmm. And then I have to be like, what am I doing? Because <laughs> I notice it. Some, some of my followers do, others don't. But uh, I yeah. notice that there's times when I get ungrounded and it becomes more like I have all the answers instead of I'm figuring all this out. Yeah. But yeah, it's just because we get locked in our head because it's the best way to survive because it's the best only way we've been taught. But mm -hmm. there is a way better way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I love everything that you stand for. And I'm going to push you a little bit today. I want to, I want to dig. Yeah, deep. baby. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you went through this journey of healing yourself and of healing your, or not healing, forgiving yourself and forgiving oh, yeah. your mom. Yeah. Tell me about the second part, forgiving your mom and how that was critical mm -hmm. to forgiving yourself. Yeah, um, I think people get lost with the word forgiveness a lot. It uh, there's okay, maybe there's books about it, but it's not really a commonly understood skill. Yeah, it's understood skill in the world, and I think it really comes down to just one simple thing, which is detachment. You know, mm -hmm. where you look back on your past, your present, and your future, and you take a deep look inside of yourself, and with this sense of peace that you generate on your own in the silence and the quiet, um, you just realize that. I never had to have it happen a certain way and that mm -hmm. how it happened already was beautiful on its own accord. And mm -hmm. that's not something to believe, you know, that's not something to, because I say you have to believe it. You know, I think belief is one of the more dangerous things in the world if we don't root it in our own personal experience. So I'm saying people should get curious, curiosity again yeah. about what if they go into that world just quiet on their own. I literally put earplugs in and I just like sit and be with what is, you know, at the fundamental, it's, it's like one of the core teachings of Eastern philosophy in general, which is that, you know, your, your problem, your biggest problem is that you think you shouldn't have any problems, you know? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. people like stay like holding grudges and not forgiving and all sorts of anger and frustration with things that have happened to them or are currently happening to them. And mm -hmm. um, really the way out of it is to realize that you could never tell God or the universe or whatever what to do. Yeah. So let it all go. And then mm -hmm. when I did that with myself, I realized that not only was it something I couldn't change, but it's something I would never want to change because it made me who I am today. And so mm -hmm. this is what it enables you to, to pivot things. And I think you and I talked about this, too, because of what you went through with your dad. It's that everything that ever happened to any of us is this magical, like, journey of purpose that's working for us, not against us this whole time. But as long as you're in your head, you're like, Oh, why is that against me? This survival threat, this blah, 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 blah. But like, mm -hmm. wait a minute. Life is just a freaking miracle. You know? And yeah. my mom, I've come to find, and this is maybe a more advanced meditation thing. I don't know how like sur surface level we have to stay here, but I'm just going to go for it because it's what's true for me. Um, I've, come to <laughs> I've come to explore and experience that um, my mom as a soul, as like a quantum energy packet that animates her body, just like I am not my name and I'm not my body. I'm a soul. I'm a quantum energy packet, you know, um, that entity itself came into this life. And I've talked to her entity in my deep meditations and that entity came into this life to make the sacrifices she made in order to teach me the things that it taught me, grow me up really, really fast and teach me about life so that I can go on and, and start helping and healing people just not because I'm some healer magic thing, giving people stuff just by an example of, Hey, look who you are is already enough. You're good. Wow. You got this. 
And then mm -hmm. actually I was, I was filming or recording a guided meditation must've been eight months ago or something. And it, I realized in that moment as I was recording that guided meditation and I had like taken a look recently and kind of realized my follower base was largely uh, women between 35 and 55. I realized all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, it's like a karmic loop that I'm completing. Cause now I'm, I'm helping to heal the people who would have been, who my mom used to be, honestly, like an empath that didn't know she was an empath. Oh so she like, so she numbed the pain with alcohol, you know, and then she yeah. like threw her life down the drain or whatever. So now because of what it taught me, I'm healing people who are empaths who don't know how to deal with their empathetic nature. It, you know, and I've got a message for a lot of people, but that's been like the core of who reaches out to me. And it's just, it was this mm. most mind blowing, like, Oh my God, like the universe is way bigger <laughs> than I thought kind of thing. And I had to pause the meditation and I cried when I realized wow. that. Yeah. And then like, yeah. if there's a guided meditation in one of my courses, which I, I put into it, where if you listen, there's a sniff in the meditation <laughs> when I went back <laughs> online. <laughs> See, it doesn't have to be in private. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. I should have recorded that. Yeah, that, that <laughs> but that's so interesting because even, you know, we've talked before and in our conversations in the past, this actually never came up. You, you had never mentioned that, you know, that aha moment for you, that, rev that huge revelation that you are attracting who you attract yeah. because you have something to give as part of that journey that you've already been going through and are still going through. And a lot of the clients that I work with are, yeah. are men. And as I was preparing for a presentation, maybe a few months ago, I had, I had that revelation too, like, holy shit, like, I do what I do because mm. of my dad, you know, and you've heard my story about my dad and how painful that was for me. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that, but it's really, really just so beautiful Ooh. how on the other side of forgiveness is this gratitude, right? When you say that, you know, you've, Absolutely. you've forgiven your mom. And she's made sacrifices for you. I know she's in bed right now, right? And she's gone through what she's gone through. And she's yeah. made those sacrifices for you. Like, that is such a beautiful thing to actually have to, to, to be able to think about that and say, wow. Right? So on the other side of forgiveness is, is this profound gratitude for getting us to where we are today. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed that. You are so wow. Um, so I have a few questions here for you that I wanted to make sure I asked you. Um, I don't want to cut our conversation short here or pull in a different direction, but you said something along the lines of don't judge it when it gets scary because it's going to get scary. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of yeah. friends, a lot of clients who are on this entrepreneurial journey that gets scared. They get mm. really scared to take off that mask and to be vulnerable and to be themselves and to actually vocalize their own yeah. voice and their own heart. So tell me about that. Don't judge it when it gets scary because it's going to. Yeah, it's, man, entrepreneurship is the most effective form of psychotherapy there is. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> because in a moment, yeah, really, immediately it'll show you um, who you are, how you're showing up, hoping the world is going to save you. Uh, it'll show you how you're being true or false in your messaging. It'll show you, you know, it'll show you what you're great at and it'll show you what you suck at. And it's just like, it's a miracle. Honestly, it's one of the yeah. better tools out there. And I think it's the closest thing that our civilized society can, can and should come to um, like a warrior or maybe like a tribal 
sort of lifestyle where it's like you have to live right now and do your best to survive, you know? Mm-hmm. So everything good about that, which keeps you very present, but then also the negative of that is that you're living very in your survival mind and you're in your, in your head. So mm-hmm. the good thing about what I, what I love to call heart-centered entrepreneurship is what I'm passionate about bringing to the world is that you can still live on that razor's edge where it's like every day, the reality is, you know, if you don't produce, you don't eat, you know, what are you going to do? So you're yeah. in this like, like forced presence situation where, you know, you're going to, you got to get out there. But then what if we motivate with our joy instead of with our fear? And so that's what, that, that's what requires a lot of courage, what I call inner courage mm-hmm. that, um, it's not the courage to go outside of you and do crazy things. I mean, it took a lot of courage to do a lot of stuff I did on the football field, but it wasn't inner courage. And it, like the world doesn't need more external courage of like running through bullet, you know, you know, storms of bullets or whatever. We need inner courage of like exploring, wait a minute, who am I really? What is the nonsense that's coming through in my messaging? And how can I get through that so that I can share a message through the very effective vehicle of entrepreneurship, which is, that's all it is, is a vehicle. You know, so share through that vehicle a message of love and we can empower love through capitalism, through, you know, making money. I'm all about making money. I'm not airy fairy and and just like lost in some dreamland. I don't want us Mm -hmm. to all go to a cave and meditate until we're all enlightened (laughs) for the time being where we're at now is that we got to help people. So what's the most effective way to help people? Well, I found is to understand that like your skills are the offering that shouldn't change. If you're a good lawyer, stay a good lawyer. If you're a good you know, counselors, stay a good counselor. Like you shouldn't like get so floofy and spiritual and whatever you do, mm-hmm. your skills are the offering, but your heart is the marketing. And I think in marketing, we can do things a whole lot better um, mm-hmm. in terms of just showing up in the world as a human being with feelings and emotions and, and an acceptance of what is and forgiveness and powerful lessons of, of inner inspiration, not just external motivation, because that gets old. You know, yeah. like what, what if we show people that who they already are is everything they'll ever need. I think that's a message that will transform humanity. And it's also a message that, you know, when it comes from a real place in you, it can, it can be an effective form of marketing. I think it's, it's this great way that um, hasn't always been part of my message. I mean, honestly, I had, I just started out sharing a Facebook video with my hand shaking when I quit my job, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then um, it evolved, you know, over time. So that's, mm-hmm. that's where I am now. But um, mm-hmm. I think I de- deviated from your question. No, that's all right. <laughs> so when we are facing our fears, especially fear of all of those uh-huh. emotions that we experience on a day-to-day basis, it's the most prevalent and most yeah. pressing and just the, the heaviest feeling that we can experience. So how do we get beyond that fog of, you know, like you were saying, your handshaking, that being paralyzed with fear to really acting from a place of your heart? or from your heart so that you can reach the people that need to hear the message that they need to hear. Yeah. That's so, a very, do you have very any examples? Of, I think, yeah. Do you have any examples of maybe um, other than meditating? Cause I know we all know what meditating is now practices sure, sure. that we can incorporate in our days to tap into our heart so that we can eradicate, maybe not eradicate fear, but show up in spite of it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's two things that I think besides just dedicating to a meditation journey, there's two things in particular that I think are really effective to making this happen. Um, The first one is something that you don't do, but that happens to you. A lot of times when people go through massive suffering where the the universe or whatever it is 
just gives you this huge roadblock that you cannot pass and it forces you to do things differently. Yeah. A lot of the times people start like reassessing their life after a big car accident or something like that. They reassess their life and move from, more from love. So that's one way to do it where you're forced into it. Mm-hmm. Um, dedicating to a meditation journey, over time it'll happen. But a, a really effective way that I've started to do with my clients is actually have them sit down and get really focused with themselves on writing out in detail their highest vision for their life. I call it a highest heart-centered vision for their life. So like if reality wasn't a word, you know, like if, if you didn't have to be practical, if you didn't have to be realistic, if you didn't have any of that stuff, if you were literally just painting your life and the world that you wanted to live in, what would you paint? And then you write that down, you get very clear on it. And then what I actually have people do is they speak it into a voice recorder. Mm. In fact, I just did this last night again with one of my clients and they speak it into a voice recorder. And then they send it to me and then I just turn it into a quick video with some inspirational music behind it. And then every morning when I'm going for a run, that's what I'm listening to is me talking to myself, cued to music, my own inspirational video (laughs) of my highest vision for my life. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And yeah, it's so powerful because, you know, it's one thing to listen to a motivational video from somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing to listen to motivational video for somebody else that has like similar values to you. But what Mm -hmm. if you make your own motivational video for yourself? You know, and you start to self-program what it is that you're doing everything for. So then you move from this place of, why am I really doing this? And, yeah. and when I say why, I don't mean let me sell a bunch of stuff on Amazon from China so that I can make my family money. I'm talking about an inclusive consciousness. It's got to be a, a heart-centered why. Truly a heart-centered why is always an inclusive consciousness that includes all of humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, like what is the world I want to create through what I do? So that my actions are the give back themselves, not just someday when I'm 30 years from now, I'll donate to a charity. Because ultimately, if you live a life you hate and then you turn back and you help other people, like all you can help them to do is live a life they also hate. You know, so I'm all about like focus on what it's all about every single day, every morning. And then from that place, eventually your subconscious mind just wires you to, oh, we got to be real. You know, like, let's just let's just show up as me because. You know, I want a world where authenticity and truth and, and, and realness is a thing. You know, people are yeah. happy and fulfilled and joyful. Yeah. And um, it's scary. And I think I've been one of the, I haven't seen this happen in the world before, but I'm one of my own pioneers. Actually, Kyle Sees, I think, does this very well, too. Um, to prove that, like, it's, it's profitable. Like, I'm, it, it works. So you'll mm-hmm. be okay. <laughs> you yeah. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> I have so many different questions, like, war, just flooding my mind right now. I don't even know where to start. So you mentioned that, um, actually, I don't want to start with that one. Let's, let's talk about this inclusive why, right? That you talked about, you, you work with your clients to figure out what drives them. How do you get them to a point where they can really clarify distinctly what drives them and what's really truly at the bottom Mm. of it all? Instead of, you know, maybe hitting like a superficial medium layer of this is why I'm doing it, but really dig, digging down. How do you get them to do that, to get to that, that yeah. last layer of what it's all about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is where it's hard for me to give instructions on how I coach because I'm very just intuitive when I coach. Yes. And a lot of people think intuition is a gift. It's a skill for all of us. Yes. And how I hone that skill is to... Um, just be really present in my body, make sure I exercise and meditate that day so that I'm clean. Cause I think that many people don't understand that our brain is a brain, but our mind is all of this, you know, like mm-hmm. the, this is all one central nervous system that can do the thinking 
And so when you're, when you're like trusting your gut instinct or following your heart, like those are in your body and they're useful for a reason because it's like, it's all one organism. So I literally coach with my shoes off with my feet on the ground. Um, like, cause typically it's, it's video chat and I don't have shoes on right now also, <laughs> so for the same reason, because it helps me to feel my body. <laughs> um, That's so funny that you say as that present too. as humanly possible. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because I'm toying around with my shoes right now. I'm going, should I take them off? <laughs> That's hilarious. Take them off. Take them off. And anybody who listens to this, take your shoes off. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> Kick them off. Yeah, so when I'm, when I'm coaching with my clients and I'm just um, either across the table from them or over a video chat with them, yeah. I feel in my body and there's like a bullshit meter that, you know, like there's a bullshit flag that gets raised, you know, and mm-hmm. then when they say things where I can tell they're lying to themselves, that bullshit, like my body just knows, you know, it's not mm-hmm. truth. Then I have this feeling of like, Ugh, that doesn't feel right. Yeah. And and I just kind of like asking more questions about that. And then by the end of it, it's it just becomes very evident that they're lying to themselves and that maybe there's something going on underneath that that is the fear causing them to lie to themselves. And they're scared of going to the fear. So they stay in this lie to themselves zone. Mm. But if we could just like talk through the fear and say like, that's just a thought. We don't have to think that thought. <sighs> okay, so what's real now? Yeah. Well, it's love. Okay, so what do we really mm. want to create? Love and prosperity and beauty and a house on a cliff overlooking the water and whatever it is you know then from that place people can get much more honest with themselves but only i mean it's not like i'm perfect at this i i practice all the time on getting more and more honest with myself so that i can be more and more honest with people but it's like people want you to call out their bullshit as much as their physical form might be fighting you like no no like they're in pain yeah. I, I lived in pain for years with my own like layers and layers of bullshit. It's just a, it's a house of cards. They can't stay up. And mm-hmm. so you're doing them the best favor. Even if you piss them off, you're doing them the best favor because it just gets them to think, you know, and I have a wonderful friend, Julie, who pointed out to me, she's like, I love you so much that I'm willing to risk our friendship to point out that you've been being authentic, inauthentic. And I'm like, yeah. Oh man, that's big. <laughs> that's truly big. Talk about detachment. You know? Yeah. Jim yeah. Christmas. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I'm a big believer that if we want to change our reality, right, our realities or our worlds, it starts with your identity. That the quickest way to change your life is to, tr- is to start with your identity and to think about who do you identify as? How do you show up? Because that's at the core how you believe you are. I'm wondering how you identify yourself. So if you had to, I know it's really hard, Joe, to think about three words that you identify yourself as. Like, what are those three words? Who are you? The first words that come to mind, a lot of people aren't going to understand. I think Mm -hmm. um, I am that is is what comes to mind but that's okay. that's like a deeper spiritual truth but how it shows up in the world where people typically start so, so to be as useful as possible to anybody listening is that <laughs> when you first start the personal development journey <laughs> to, to, when you first start the personal development journey and looking inside of yourself we've all been trained you know from a very young age to have this view of ourselves that is very disempowering mm-hmm. it's that i am not i can't create magic for myself i'm not the crea- creator of my world i'm not the you know I'm not good enough for money. I'm not good enough for love. I have to be something in order to get something like it's, it's disempowering in some way, shape or form. And so changing that self identity is very important. And that's, that's a powerful, powerful first step. And I think a lot of um, traditional personal development teachers and motivational speakers are all about like, how do you have a 
a stronger self image in the world, you know, like mm -hmm. inside of yourself and in the world. And then that is really good at playing this game of three dimensions, like a boss, you know, you can literally re-engineer how you show up to the point where it works so well. And you know that, you know, that, you know, it works and it makes a bunch of money and it gets a bunch of cars and gets a bunch of people and it gets, it's like you win the survival game when you can mm -hmm. tailor that. So it's a very useful tool. And that'll get you 98 and a half percent there, I think. Mm -hmm. but to go the rest of it, which is to truly be cool with what happens. And so that you don't end up being 50 years old with all your millions and you still want to kill yourself yeah. to go. The rest of it is you have to know that even though you're really good at playing this game, the game isn't you and that you're not really this. You are the, the quiet essence. You are that piece that I talked about mm -hmm. in meditation. When you explore mm -hmm. meditation, it's like people are like scared that they'll lose who they are. No, you'll only lose the lies about who you're not anyways. And so when you really explore this meditation journey and you go deep into it and you, you see that a lot of this is an illusion and all that really matters is love. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you explore that truth, it's like, who am I? You know, so then, then I, I, in fact, I had a big breakthrough the day I graduated college. I was going for one last walk around the university. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the buildings and, and I thought to myself, I was like, what is this university? I went to the University of Toledo in Ohio. I was like, what is the university? Well, the buildings come and go. I remember they were building that building when I had my freshman orientation and they're tearing that one down, which is now a field, you know? So like all these buildings are coming and going. It's not the students, the students cycle every four to eight years, you know, and the teachers come and go as well. Um, school can change its logo. School can change its mascot. The school can change its colors. Like, what is it about the school that makes it a school? It's just an idea, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then I'm like, wait a minute, who am I? And so I, I like went on a long walk on the beach. I was in Hilton Head when I was thinking this over in South Carolina. And, um, and I was like, wait a minute. Okay, I'm not my thoughts because I thought radically different thoughts when I was like eight versus 15 versus now versus 20 years from now. You know, like yeah. it'll all be different. So I'm not my thoughts because those change. So what is the constant? Well, I'm not my body because what are, I don't know the statistics. Somebody better at biology would know. But like your cells are always regenerating. and You're a different person entirely every couple of years. Mm -hmm. So I'm not my body. I'm not my thoughts. I'm not what's happened to me. That doesn't feel right. So who am I? You know, and showing up in the world, what people will tell you is that you are your labels. You are the Joe McVean. You are the meat sack. You know, this thing that they can see and whatever. But I know from like so much more of my own experience of my inner world and the meditation journey and everything like that, that we are much, much more than we appear. You know, like when you fall in love with somebody, is it because of how they look? Is it because of the car they drive? No, it's just something about them, right? It's just that thing. I don't know what it is. It's just this sensation you get. And yeah. so I think that all of us, a lot of our, of our pain in our lives comes from the fact that we think we are the lies that other people put on us, which are effective lies. I mean, because like, although we aren't our labels, the labels are useful so that we can have mm -hmm. things like countries mm -hmm. and cars and jobs and, and all these things. But when I really am asked, who am I? I just, I, I, I think of myself as the soul that is doing this, you know, and I've had some experiences of past lives and stuff too, which is also available in everybody's meditation journey. And so I like remember past lives and things that have, have maybe haven't happened yet and stuff at the same time. And so I'm like, well, then wait a minute, who am I really? You know, I, I, it's like, what do you want the answer that you're used to hearing? Or do you want my real truth? Cause I, mm -hmm. I feel like I am this deathless soul that, 
you know, I forget that all the time when I yeah. remember reality and I have to go back into my left brain and make things happen and, you know, think about numbers or whatever. But then I go back to it and it's just like, I am just love and all of us can be because we all are. I no. love it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's beautiful. So when you were talking, it reminded me of this philosophy that I recently came up um, maybe like two months ago. And it's this, oh, cool. this philosophy and this thought that it, we are here as souls to fulfill our sacred contracts. Have you heard of the, the thought that we are here yeah. to fulfill the sacred contract? So before we were born as souls, Absolutely. we had a particular set of life lessons that we want to like learn in this lifetime. And so when we were setting up this contract yeah. for ourselves, we made contracts with other souls and said, I'm going to meet you here and then, and I want you to help me learn this particular lesson. And you set up this huge, elaborate, beautiful yeah. composition that we call a sacred contract. And we're here in this particular lifetime to learn a particular set of lessons and to give a particular set of skills to the world. And so when you said, you know, what you were explaining about, you know, your journey and just your experience of past lifetimes and when it really comes down to it, you are that, right? You are your love. And that's just so beautiful because mm -hmm. up until today, you know, when someone asked me, you know, who are you? I have three words that I kind of just expew. I say I'm bold, I'm vibrant, I'm visionary. You know, those are the three skills that I want to give to this world yeah. while I'm here in this lifetime. But it's, it's more than those three words, sure. right? At, at, at the core of it, oh, you know? Yeah. So that was beautiful. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, and you do, see. you show up definitely with no. those three words. It's a remarkable, you. you are a remarkable expression of humanity. And it's a joy to know you truly. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. I forget. Who Although I, was I think telling. there's more to it than that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. I forget who I was telling, but after um, one of our calls, when we were on the phone, I remember saying to someone, I was like, Oh, my God, I met this amazing friend. And his name is Joe. And he is like uh -huh. the male counterpart to what I've experienced as the truth to life, you know? So when we had our first ever phone mm. call together and having that conversation and really hearing what you had to say and explaining to me what your journey has been thus far and what your experience of truth is in this life, I was like, oh my God, like, he's like my spiritual doppelganger. Like that was amazing to have that first conversation <laughs> that we did. It was awesome, I just want you to know. It was, I remember exactly where it was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, before I go on to the last question here, because I know we're running short on time, you have traveled the country, hitchhiking, traveled the country. Yeah. Can you explain to people that are watching twice, twice, <laughs> twice my apologies, <laughs> what, what brought that on and what you've learned from it? Mm. Yeah, I talked about that, that like being on the knife's edge, you know, being at the, at the razor's edge where entrepreneurship puts you, where our tribal ancestors had to live mm -hmm. to survive. Um, and I think situations like travel and then like even greater than travel is hitchhiking, put mm -hmm. you in the situation where you are just leaning headfirst into the universe. Like yeah. there was one time, in fact, where I was in Southern Utah with nothing but this much left in my Gatorade and I'm in the middle of the desert, it's over 100 degrees, and I've got this big bag on my back, and like the other guy just dropped me off because he's going in a different direction, and I'm headed north to Salt Lake, and there's a whole lot of nothing but whiteness, you know, all the way there, wow. maybe a distant mountain with the hazy thing in the way, <laughs> and there's a car that comes by like every 15 minutes, and I'm like, well, if I'm meant to be here for something, if I have a purpose in my life, I'm about to find out if I have one, you know, otherwise I'm going <laughs> to die, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, uh, that's, 
I'm, I'm okay with that because I've lived a damn good life already. Um, and I don't have kids. I, it would be a different story if I was a parent when I, you know, that'll be a totally different ballgame. But, uh, yeah. you know, in that moment, I was like, well, okay, universe, am I here for something? So then I just showed up as brightly and beautifully as possible. I just like gave a brilliant smile and uh, put my thumb out, you know, for the folks driving by. And then somebody <laughs> picked me up and she, and she's like, this is the first time I've ever picked up a hitchhiker. I never thought I would, but something about picking you up, just, I just felt like I needed to, felt like I had to. And I was like, got my back. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, now I'm meant for something. But um, yeah, there is no situation in the world that will test your manifestation abilities than hitchhiking because immediately your thoughts mm -hmm. about your reality become your reality. Yeah. You know, because if you yeah. think, no, nobody's going to pick me up, you give that energy. And then people who already are a little doubtful about picking up a hitchhiker, because it's a weird thing, um, won't pick you up if you don't have complete, total certainty about the love of the universe, mm -hmm. just having your back. And then so that was the first journey I hitchhiked from Houston to San Francisco. And then the second one was actually earlier this year. I got tired of the winter and I was like, well, what if I hitchhiked to Miami from Ohio? So um, I did. And then when I was in, let's see. Yeah, I was in Fort Lauderdale. I wanted to cross Florida to go to Naples. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I know this works. I'm on a roll. I'm feeling good. Let me not just manifest a ride. Let me manifest a bomb ride. You know, like the next car that picks me up. I want this thing to just be like, uh, yeah, unbelievable. You know, how, how could I put the cherry on top of hitchhiking? And so I just manifested <laughs> in my mind. I just held into my mind like, all right, this is going to be an awesome ride with a wonderful person and like, you know, really nice interior and like a really nice car. And I'll be damned if a Maserati didn't pick me up 20 minutes later. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> a woman in a Maserati. It was phenomenal. Oh my God. So hitchhiking <laughs> has been one of the best teachers of like practical spirituality for me. Like yeah. trust the universe. It's going to be okay. Show up as love. And then everything has your back. You don't have to know how to get there. You don't have to know the route. You just have to have a feel for what you're, where you're headed, your highest vision, you know, mm -hmm. and then just trust the universe. And then, you know, however trusting you are, whatever degree of trustingness you are with how you're living your life, mm -hmm. then the universe will show up with that comfortable of a ride to the destination. destination. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just remarkable. <laughs> wow. I, I, oh, my God, that's so good. That's so good. And it's part of my particular mission as well, which I think we share together is to help people understand that there is this magic inside of us, this power that we don't really yeah. fully understand, you know, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. So really quickly, what are the top three spiritual truths sure. that you think we should all know that you've learned on your journey? Hmm. Top three spiritual truths. I would say, you know, this might offend people, but I would say that you are God is one mm -hmm. of the most important ones. So I think mm -hmm. that the most challenging thing for the world, for society, is that we've exported God to heaven and turned it into an idea instead of our own inner power. Yeah. And um, there's all sorts of stories about how we, you know, like to, to think even that is blasphemous. But I think a lot of that comes from like 300 AD when, you know, the, the Catholic Church and the Romans got together. They're like, how can we make this thing work better for us? And, uh, and that's no, nobody's fault, truly. It's just like, it's just a really effective power structure. And I think when we look past the stories to the truth, which is the same truth of all religions, I'm not against anybody who's religious if it's your experience, if it's working yes. for you. If you live your life yeah. peaceful and your religion, and it, therefore it's working for you, then great. Mm -hmm. Keep going to your mm -hmm. church or synagogue mm -hmm. or mosque or whatever it is. 
you know, but if you're going to it as a belief that you're touting because you're just running through the motions and you're just baptizing your kids because your neighbors do, it's like, what the hell are you, what's the point? So I'd say the first one would be that, you know, recognize some way, somehow that you are God. Um, Number two, I'd say would be just stay curious, you know, stay really, really curious about your life because curiosity is the, oof, man, it leads to so many breadcrumbs into a whole different ball game of truths. and, And there's a saying actually that, um, you know, the, the universe opens up its secrets, teaches its secrets to those who have the courage to follow their heart, follow their heart. Mm-hmm. But the courage to follow your heart starts with curiosity. And what is all of this to start with? Yeah. Just get really curious, I think, about like what could be about your life. That's the yeah. doorway in for a lot of people. I love become curiosity. A seeker, become a seeker of truth of what's real. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think, absolutely. I think I if I may be, to me, I <laughs> if I may be bold, I think curiosity is the antidote to everything every illness that's out there every question every suffering Mm. every struggle i think curiosity is the antidote to everything and that's been my experience so okay so that was number two what's number three that was number two oh god to boil it only down to number three i know it's hard i would say truly love thy neighbor you know and that's an Mm. overly stated concept but a lot of the times when people run around saying, let's change the world, let's, um, let's go love people, you can turn that into an idea too. You know, you could turn the world into a concept or just an emoji instead of realizing that the world is the person that's closest to you. The world is the Starbucks barista that you're talking to. The world is your family. The world is the person that calls you. And like, if, you, if that person calls you in a time of need and you ignore them because you're too busy changing the world, you realize that you're full of your own bullshit. My God. You know, like that's, yeah. it's so easy to slip out of that, you know, like yeah. the universe is showing you who are the people that need your love. So drop mm-hmm. the plan and love thy neighbor, however they show up. That was a big yeah. one for me. That was wow. a really big one for me. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you for your time today. But before we go, Tell us a little bit about your book, Inner Courage, and your online courses now, and, and tell me, like, I've heard it already, but tell us about what that course or courses look like and how people can participate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been challenging myself to say over and over again, like, how can I make this an easier process? Not simple, maybe not easier, but a simpler process to, to understand. Mm-hmm. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times people look at spirituality like that's spooky, that's weird. I'm not religious, I'm, so therefore I'm not spiritual. People look at, um, you know, uh, positivity is something that's just floofy and unrealistic. So I'm like, how do I help people better to understand what all of this is, how beautiful a perspective like this is, you know, how to try it on and then see how it works for you. Like, don't believe me, get curious, try it on for yourself and see how a perspective you know, like these and the thoughts that I think, if you try them on, they might make you experience a whole lot more peace. And so that's where I come from. And then I'm always trying to find ways to make that like more streamlined, more easy. That's probably the engineer in me, trying to find mm-hmm. the most effective route to that destination. Um, and so if you go to joemcbean.com, you'll see that one of the first things you see is a quiz. You know, It just separates people into which of the best des- describes you, or which of the following mm-hmm. best describe you. Uh, I'm a seeker, I'm a leaper, or I'm an entrepreneur. You know, and I think that is the progression. We start as seekers, like curious, like, why, what is truth? I'm trying to forgive myself. I'm trying to figure out my old story. I'm trying to, what is all this stuff? Like, they're not ready to have the total courage to jump out of them, out of their old story and into their vision for their future because it takes time. You know, we've got yeah. a lot of programming. Um, so that's a seeker. And then if you do that for, I don't want to say long enough because it's not always time. If, if you have the impact and you have the breakthroughs, then you become a leaper where it's like, 
I know what it is. I know my thing. I'm ready to go. Like all I need is just a little bit of direction. And I call those people leapers. And then that turns into entrepreneurship. Once you start to have a feel for what it is you're doing, you actually build a business. And so for each one of those folks, I've got a program. The first one is the love leadership course for seekers, because I know I was a seeker for a long time. And I'm like, why is nobody teaching me like my obvious breakthrough or my obvious gap that I have between me and what these successful people are saying? Because a mm -hmm. lot of the successful stuff out there is like, just do it, you know, just, just start going and start doing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I feel like there's so much they're not saying. And then finally, I pieced together all of these like breakthroughs that I had to have. Like, oh, that's what forgiveness is. Oh, that's what self-love is. Like, oh, that's what meditation is. You know, like, and all of this stuff. Like, I'm moving from peace instead of from fear. When a lot of times people are like, just chase your dreams or just follow your passion. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for people that don't have all these breakthroughs. And so what I did was I filmed a course called the Love Leadership Course, which mm -hmm. is taking you from this place of like, uh, I don't know. There's some truth to this. I'm interested in this, but like, what is my direction? I, how do I know this is my purpose? How do I know what my passions are? All the way through, like, there's 49 different breakthroughs. The 49 breakthroughs that I ended, that I boiled down that I had to go through, one story at a time, one exercise at a time, in order mm -hmm. for people to realize, like, oh, okay, that's what my power is. These are some tools I can use to remember my power. That's how to rearrange my social circle around people that support my power. That's how to voice my power into the world in an effective way. Um, and then so then when you're ready to do that, and then you have certainty, then you've become a leaper. After, you know, graduating from the, from the Love Leadership course, you become a leaper. And that, uh, yeah, I've created a course called the Purpose and Prosperity course, which is like, okay, now you have certainty in your inner world. How do you have some certainty in the outer world? Which means like, how do you effectively start a business and get on social media and do all this stuff in the world today? Um, and so that just kind of teaches people like a, a roadmap that I wish I had because I just quit my job and guessed a lot. And mm -hmm. I worked 16, 17 hour days and, and I failed a lot and it was expensive and time consuming and I almost got evicted. So I want to help people not do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, at the same time, you know, I, I, I personally get the most fulfillment out helping entrepreneurs because like mm -hmm. I still want to help those people. So I do the, that through information products, through my courses, the seekers and the leapers. But entrepreneurs, I feel like I have the most ability to leverage them using their social circle in a more effective way, not just for them to make more money from inner world breakthroughs and marketing more effectively, but turning their marketing into a system that transforms humanity by a new perspective mm. shift, a new paradigm shift of, mm -hmm. whoa, a dude just being real or a woman just like being honest about the challenges of being a woman that you're not allowed to say in the business world. You know, like it's, it, there's so much that can be helped there. So that's where I get the most fulfillment about personally working with clients is with yeah. heart-centered entrepreneurs that want to bring more of their love into what they do. Mm -hmm. um, but to answer your question, Inner Courage is a book format of the Love Leadership course if people like books uh, mm -hmm. more effectively. And so it takes you through all those breakthroughs of kind of, you know, understanding how to take that leap into being you in the world. You know what I mean? And, um, and I'm so passionate about, this is a long answer. I'm sorry. I'm almost done. I promise. No, um, it's all right. I'm so passionate about, <laughs> I'm so passionate about how do we, use the vehicle that we have, which is capitalism, to bring about where we can head, which is nirvana, the kingdom of heaven, the new earth, global enlightenment. It's been called lots of things by different, you know, traditions. But how do we use capitalism to bring that about? And I feel that heart-centered entrepreneurship is the way to do that. And I call it the love economy. So we're part of what some people call the love revolution, which is like, how do we move from love instead of from fears? Because that's what we all really want. You know, mm -hmm. let's let's overcome this reptilian brain that just wants to stay alive and fight things. You know, yeah. then, and how do you move from love? And so I call it the love economy. And so I'm actually running a very interesting social experiment right now 
which is that all of my information products, um, meaning both of my courses, are donation-based. And so mm -hmm. I, if you want to take them and you, you don't end up paying, that's totally cool because I didn't have two pennies to rub together when I was in the beginning of this journey. Yeah. And, um, and I understand that some people that are going to end up walking shoes like mine and helping a lot of other people, you know, like they don't, I don't need to judge them according to their socioeconomic level. So I'm running this experiment of saying, what if we throw out the old version of capitalism in terms of like online courses, which is like, I'm going to do things in the world. I'm going to add enough value to your life so that eventually you come to trust me somehow. And then when you trust me, you take a free trial, there's a value exchange of money. And then hopefully you don't use the money back guarantee at the end of it. That's like the old way to sell courses. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Mm, okay, that's in the right direction. I like it. It's not, you know, it, it can be done heart centered. But what if we take it one step further? What if I say, I trust you first, I see you for the beautiful ray of humanity that you are, you know, and just like yoga for the people, you know, when you when you go into a donation based yoga class, like, whatever you can give whatever you feel like giving, it's all good. You know, like, I, I'm here, I've got a thing on my website, if you feel passionate about helping other people have the courses too. If it changed your life, then help somebody else. Um, yes. That's been the model that I've been displaying and, and kind of I, I think I need a lot more iteration to see if if it's something that'll work and whether it works mm -hmm. or not like I'm going to still keep doing it because it's the right thing but there's a chance that it revolutionizes the way that online courses kind of function and more of a, I trust you first so that you you know that you trust me and business runs on trust but a lot of the times we're like no let's leave the feelings and leave the love out of business and I'm all about like wait a minute no let's pull all that shit in because it's really like what this is all about wow yeah so you're leaning in first because you really trust the process. Absolutely. And what are you calling it? The love economy? Absolutely. The love economy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and you'll see those are the first <laughs> letters. The first, the first words there yeah, on uh, joemcbean.com. You'll see. Excellent. Welcome to the love economy. <laughs> so, so for people that missed it, where is your website? Where can they find you? Yeah, it's at joemcbean.com. Yeah. Um, and you'll see my name on the broadcast here. So that's how you spell okay. it. Nice and easy. And there's a quiz, in case you're jumping in late, there's a quiz that separates you into a seeker, a leaper, or an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. which I found that every mm -hmm. one of us who's remotely interested in anything growth-oriented falls into one of those three categories. Yeah, excellent. All right. Joe, thank you so much for your time today. I thank my lucky stars that we met. I don't even remember how we met, but <laughs> you are, seriously, I love you, friend. I, mean, it's, I'm I love you, too. Yeah. Awesome. Me so too. Joe McBean, everyone, I am so excited that I get to share his beautiful story and message with you today. I know we've got started on a rough um, patch there with internet stuff going on, but um, his story mm -hmm. is so amazing. I, I think if you guys have the time to rewatch it, if you miss a part of it, it, it really will change your life. You will hear his story and I know you'll hear your own message in there, you know, sprinkled throughout. And if you can go visit him at joemcbean.com and really um, dive in to what he has to say and what he has to share. Um, I think you'll be very, very frankly, um, just not even surprised, but I think you, you'd be so grateful that you did. Thank you, Joe, for everything. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I will talk You're to you so soon. You're welcome, my friend. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Have a beautiful rest of your day.